On this very online episode of The Last King Podcast, we have El Camino and Watchmen's episode one. Hey everybody, welcome to The Last King Podcast. It's a very limited crew today. We've only got me and... It's me, Mr. Toffee. <laughs> I know. Oh god, could you imagine if it was just me and him? Yes. Oh no. <laughs> It'll be the even... most awkward episode ever. <laughs> You think? <laughs> no, it's okay. I think you two have a certain kind of chemistry. Speaking uh, of chemistry, <laughs> go straight right. into the mess. Straight in, huh? All right. Right back into the mess, left, everybody. Oh, God. So, yeah, yeah like we're a down relapsing one. addict, we're back into uh, <laughs> the Breaking Bad universe. I mean, usually we make jokes. Jerks. We make jokes about the jerk. I mean, we make jokes. <laughs> <laughs> we make jokes at uh, We John's all expense. try to hypothesize what is Toffee up to now? So, let's yeah. play that game. Where could he be? Well, yeah. we know he's and in the which body pillow did he bring? <laughs> He's in the Philippines. Yeah. Yes. Uh, definitely on his uh, the, his crusading missionary work to bring anime to Manila, I guess. <laughs> no, no. But yeah. Uh, so John's not available for today. So for all you uh, Toffee fans out there. Um, I'm afraid you're going to have to miss out. All four of you. <laughs> He'll be back next wow, week. Wow, four? I didn't realize you're so popular. <laughs> hey, he's doubling it up. You know? it just took him three years. Anyway. <laughs> No, John, seriously, uh, no, uh, stay away. No, <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Uh, anyway, yes, uh, we're down to, I'm of course, uh, Shafiq, along with my uh, esteemed host. Eccentric Tom. And uh, yesterday, it's going to be uh, the, the month of nothing, because the whole idea for our uh, Spookto- Spooktober is spectacular. We started out good with uh, Joker, but then uh-huh. we also had to segue a little bit to pay tribute to the Pythons uh, in honor of their 50th anniversary because of, of course. existing. Yeah. Because, yes, we have an Englishman and <laughs> yeah, we're all... Th- we're, yeah. <laughs> I would literally be lynched alive the next time I set foot in the you, UK. You, you, you are it. the cause of Brexit. No, you have to talk about the Pythons, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, so it's been uh, mostly Netflix and Shill plus HBO, I guess. Yeah. So uh, we also have to talk about this because we did uh, put together a very... Uh, a long episode where we paid tributes to probably one of the greatest shows of Earth, uh, Breaking Bad. Oh yeah, we did do a whole retrospective. We did, we? and we totally forgot about it. And then this comes along and ruins the SEO because now we're gonna talk about it again. Yeah. So um, yeah, those of you that are fans of Breaking Bad, which is most people with decent tastes, or well, at least an internet connection. Yeah, or who have been you know using Netflix at all. Or back in the day when it was still on AMC, I guess. Remember television, children. <laughs> yeah, television. Uh, kids, for those who don't know, television is like that square thing that your parents watch while you're off playing Fortnite. Kids, uh, no, uh, you know the thing you hook up your Xbox to? It used to show you programs and shows. I know, you used to have to not have an internet connection to watch TV. There used to be this thing called televised programming. It's kind of like Netflix, but you had to wait a whole week for an episode to pop. Yeah, and also you couldn't choose it. You had to like go in at the right time and if you just missed it, like you had to hope there was like a repeat or like a plus one channel that you could catch it. Mm. Then, yeah, or what HBO used to be too. Oh, yeah. Times have changed. I know, right? Remember scheduled programming? Nobody does. <laughs> you know, I remember when there were only five channels on the TV. BBC 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 and ITV. No, BBC 1, 2, ITV, Channel 4 and Channel 5. Why did they decide to change it to Channel 4 and Channel 5? Because, alright, uh, this is a because <laughs> fuck it, we have time to see, kill. Because, you see, according to Austin Powers, there's even BBC 11. Not quite, but... <laughs> Uh, BBC One and Two are the first ones, obviously. Mm-hmm. Then ITV came out in the fifties. Yes, what does the I stand for? Independent. So basically, it's various. It's not one uh, channel. It's various independent studios who collaborate together to do their programming. Kind of like PBS in America, right? 
kind of, but... Um, or C-SPAN, I think. Yeah, and unlike the BBC, they're not funded by the taxpayer, so they have to run adverts. Mm-hmm. So they're automatically inferior in my eyes because like, you have to like interrupt good programming to have a stupid ad break. Okay. Channel 4 came in the 80s and that was more centralized but also independent. And that they veered more towards comedy and we got stuff like the Inbetweeners from Channel 4. Mm, yeah. And Channel 5 is the red-headed stepchild of uh, terrestrial TV because no one fucking cared. Is that where like the only way it's Essex can be found? No, that's ITV. Ah, because no, ads. Channel 5, there is... Um, well, that's where Big Brother went when it got cancelled on uh, Channel 4. Yeah. What's Big Brother about again? Uh, basically, you uh, Get watch... Get a couple of plebs, put them in the room and watch. Basically, you hope one of them has sex. Otherwise, or takes a shower, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why am I aware of this? TV sucks, man. <laughs> in England. <laughs> Everywhere. Have you seen your Singaporean TV? No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, so anyway, speaking of uh, TV... I don't know. Uh, so yeah, Breaking Bad. I think we're getting back. We're to gonna that have to one. cut out this whole ramble. It went nowhere. <laughs> nah, you know, it's it's good like setting the. T- so back in two thousand six, <laughs> when Breaking Bad arrived, and most of us were downloading it because it was only available on like American TV. It was AMC, if I remember correctly. Probably yes. And then when Netflix switched to streaming in twenty twelve. Remember when Netflix used to send DVDs to your house? No. Yeah. But I remember when uh, Prime TV was called Love Film and they did the same thing. The fuck is Love Film? Basically, the fuck is Prime TV? Uh, you know Amazon Prime? Oh, uh, okay. Before that it was Love Film and I think it was UK only and they sent you uh, the DVDs as well. They got bought out by Amazon and that they used that mm. to become Amazon Prime TV. Oh, like uh, Columbia Shipping House for CDs. Yeah, yeah. Pretty okay, much, okay. yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, long story short, that's how I managed to finally watch Breaking Bad. Hmm. And uh, just like everyone else, I started watching it and immediately fell in love. Yeah, and I also, if you all recall, uh, episode whatever, when we did the whole Breaking Bad. You binged the entire thing just before. Just in time for the podcast. (laughs) I'm one of those guys who like, no, I haven't seen it yet because everybody keeps telling me to. That's why I refuse to. Yeah. And boy, what, what, was that a mistake? I could have been riding the wave with everybody and having the same like water cooler conversations. Yeah, I mean, I never had that moment, but I thankfully was able to watch the last episode on streaming with my university friends. Mm. That was fun, especially uh, you know because I was with a bunch of uh, but people who got high all the time. So we watched Ozymandias like five times. Mm, okay. Because you're on the high mind, you love repetition, I guess. You have become a child again. So for all you Lasking fans who are wondering about our thoughts on Breaking Bad, yes, an entire episode dedicated to it. Just yeah. go find it. TLDR, it's very good. We like it. Yes, also the episode that we talked about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, moving on. Uh, years later, finally El Camino comes out of fucking nowhere. I wouldn't say out of nowhere. I mean, there were kind of rumors and hints about it going on since about for about two years. I mean, like, Vince Gilligan kind of... Well, he returned to the world kind of, sort of, with uh, Better Call Saul. Yeah, he Which did. is actually pretty good. It is, yes. Yeah. I mean, I've not really caught, uh, kept up with it, but everything I've heard has said that like, it's still phenomenal TV. I've seen it. It's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I the have... The first season was kind of weak until Mike's episode. No, you episode. need to establish the premise. Yeah. But it does get better. And it also does the smart thing of uh, flashbacking to the right moments, I guess. Yeah. It, I mean... Better Call Saul, I think, is essential television if you're a Breaking Bad fan because it fills in the gaps kind of perfectly with the same characters. Yeah, but at the same time, you don't need to have seen Breaking Bad to get Better Call Saul. I kind of agree with that, actually. It's quite self-contained, which is actually no mean feat, especially coming hot off the heels of probably one of the most revered TV shows of all time. I know, right? And 
I mean, it's a daunting task to not only, you know, try and make something similar, but in the same universe with similar characters. You know, I would not do it if I wasn't, if I was Vince Gilligan, but he managed it very, True. very well. He is definitely one of the best TV writers, I think. And then comes right El Camino, huh? Yeah, which he wrote and directed. And it's basically answering questions. So what did Jesse Pinkman do once he uh, escaped? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the answer is... Uh, he kept escaping, apparently. Yeah, just bench. Shall we do spoilers? Let's do spoilers, because it's been out for uh, at least a couple of weeks now. And anything on like Netflix is... Yeah, everybody's talking about it. Yeah, I mean, if mm-hmm. if you don't want it spoiled, pause it, go watch it, come back. It's only two hours and two minutes? Roughly around there. Yeah, yep. about that. And uh, it starts with a flashback. Mm-hmm. With a very nice conversation, actually, between uh, Jesse Pinkman and... Um, Mike, Mike Ermentrout, played yep. by Jonathan Banks, who looks really, really old now. Wait till we talk about Todd. That's true. Oh <laughs> god, Todd did not age he, well. He did not reverse age enough for this to make any visual sense, but we'll, we'll not hold it against one, him. Reverse aging is one thing, uh, like uh, airbrushing is a whole other. I mean, go for a jog or something. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, he he tubbed out really. He did, but we're getting ahead of ourselves here. So, nice conversation, and then cut to screaming Jesse driving away in the titular El Camino. Mm-hmm. And also speaking of, uh, yeah, he doesn't really quite match the continuity. Uh, Mr. Aaron Paul did kind of get old a little bit. He's, he well, doesn't... he's 40 now. Yeah, so is, is there are moments... I mean, okay, I know these are minor nitpicks, yeah. but there's also the point of like, if you want to directly like follow hot of the heels of the, the very moment that uh, entire... Uh, that, that TV show ended, right? Yeah, don't wait six years to do it. I mean, not even that, but it's also at the same time, it's like, let, let the age happen because then you're going to... I mean, it's also it's not like not not like it's a courtesy to the audience, but also at the same time, like some of us can suspend disbelief, but mm-hmm. most of us is like we can't help but notice this. Yeah, it was very noticeable, especially once someone said it. I couldn't unsee the fact that not that he's fat; it's just that he's definitely, <laughs> he, definitely he, he's, he looks he looks like a forty-year-old he, guy. He's failed out a little bit, and he's he had a kid last year, and like as you know, some people might know, you do gain weight even as the father. Mm-hmm. Well, you definitely can't be the father. Oh, what yeah. are you talking about? Uh, all that stress eating and sleepless nights, that's not good for your metabolism. Oh, you have to take turns feeding the baby, sir. <laughs> so, <laughs> as I was saying, uh, no, but, okay, the, the, the reason I brought it up, though, is because, like, I just want to get that out of the way because I, I that is not the only nitpick I have, but I think that is probably the most minuscule one. It's that, the noticeably chubbier elephant in the room. Yeah, so, like, you know, just, I'm, just, I'm not going to brush over it. Mm. So, I'm just going to say, yeah, uh, a lot of the characters, except for Brian Cranston, who kind of disappeared back into the role, like, oh, there he is again, Walter White. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the thing is, I mean, he did, I mean, we, I've seen him in other films and stuff, and like, yeah, he's, he. it's not that he's ageless, but I think, you know what, he, he he's eternally like Walter White to me. There's something about just the craggly face he has that, yeah, he can play this character anytime. He, he's always kind of looked like that well he's kind of looked at that ever since the last episode of Malcolm in the Middle no. yeah definitely so, yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah so we get that out of the way so I mean maybe what we should do is uh, just go through the things we liked yeah and then probably bring up the things that worked or didn't work and then probably give our uh, final overall thoughts uh, how about you go first uh, I mean what did you like about El Camino I would say that it was and I mean this in the best possible way a uh, feature length Breaking Bad episode in that 
the tone, the shots, the composition, the music, uh, just like the dialogue. It was all just, it reminded me why I loved Breaking Bad so much. Mm-hmm. It's basically just immediately I was back in the world. Just, I felt like I'd never left Albuquerque. Yeah. And the fact that you were able to just get back into the story as if there weren't six years in between was truly, you know, a remarkable feat by everyone involved. Mm-hmm. And yet, nothing's been lost. Uh, yeah, everything I said is still absolutely pitch perfect. But what really helped sell it is that you could see that um, Jesse Pickman is a changed man. Uh, he's not, you know, the cocksure, kind of smart but kind of dumb meth head. Yeah, but he wasn't that way since like season four. I mean, after no, that, I mean, he like, went he through that whole he, dark he, arc. He definitely went through that dark arc, but you could definitely see like this is the result of so much trauma and PTSD mm-hmm. and you finally find this very I would say polished down uh, like sandpapered down uh, like husk of a man okay because you see not one but two girlfriends die yeah and you know being betrayed by someone who became very close to who was like a, a father, father figure. figure there mm-hmm. we go yeah and yeah, it's just like watching him and just follow him as he tries to get back into the world after being in a literal pit for six months mm-hmm. they say six months it's kind of they don't say for sure but it's at least that amount of time well but the El Camino did also kind of show that you know, he once hung out he once in a while hangs out at Todd's place yeah so he's not really in the pit all the time not all the time but it was still I really loved those scenes because it was an immediate reminder of how much I hated Todd okay because there's something so unpleasant about him like even when he's just being polite and just like making in a conversation there's something really disgusting about him i know he has a very natural kind of smarminess to him right yeah and i mean i think it's just jesse plemons is very very good at playing those kind of characters (laughs) because he was like that in that black mirror episode it was either i mean it's either that or uh what's the other idea we had oh yeah matt damon's retarded step brother <laughs> yeah i mean but well, hey he's called meth for a reason yep because of breaking bad mm-hmm. i mean but also going off your point there like uh, i i also agree with you the the maturity that uh jesse pingman i mean not just a jesse pingman but i think i think it's mostly attributed to, uh, attributed to the fact that aaron paul has become quite a good actor yes he's definitely yeah. grown especially i mean you have to understand like when he started out in breaking bad he was definitely yeah the the wise ass uh juvenile delinquent meth dealer the arrested development kid yeah much. and then also i mean we also need to give props to where props is due but if i mean if you put him opposite the likes of a brian cranston on a like a weekly basis yeah and just something young, rubs off on you eventually yeah and i was like i mean to hit and it's also i mean it's also evident in bojack horseman mm-hmm. especially when yeah it's so weird that he's played he plays a character called todd on that show i know yeah that's something that <laughs> kept on throwing me off when i was trying to get my thoughts together after the episode kept thinking todd and i just heard like the guy talking about <sighs> the, the sex robot who becomes the ceo <laughs> yeah but i mean like you also like I, mean, I don't know if you agree with me with this right but especially about bojack like the todd episodes where he he's just basically him having misadventures like c- literally failing upwards yeah but also at the same time moments where like i mean todd gets some really like tender moments too yeah for sure and you can hear aaron paul like, you can see definitely that 
he's he he has the chops now. Absolutely. Which is also quite a travesty that I don't know what did he do after like all this Need like, for Speed and that Final Fantasy movie right where he he voiced oh, the English dub. Oh yeah. I can't really think of anything else he appeared well, he's in. He's got a Hulu show apparently. Really? Yeah, as on season two, so at least it you know made enough money to carry on. But I don't know much about it. I know all I know is that uh, this is going to be the final season for BoJack Horseman. So it's mm-hmm. like I really want to see more of this guy's work. For sure, and I think this is a good showcase to say, hey, look, this man is not just you know one. He's got character. range, yeah, and uh, he can show like the nuance where which you need when you're you know transitioning from you know. A five-season-long arc to a singular feature film. Yeah, he had to carry the entire movie, and he did a very good job. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say carried, but he was definitely the main focus. I would say that everyone—it was mainly like smaller parts all around, but mm. everyone definitely played their part. But you also have to agree that he did the most of the brunt of the work. Too. Oh, for sure, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not—I'm not at all taking away from because he, have to, work he, he has to—he has to dance between like his flashbacks and what he was going through in the present time. So mm-hmm. it's like. Those were definitely not like scenes they lifted from the the, the series. They they literally had to reshoot some of these scenes, especially yep. when they explained uh, how that mechanism or that that uh, lanyard attached to the ceiling was built. Oh yeah! And, and then he had his one moment to like you know just kick ass for a bit, <laughs> which yeah. I enjoyed. <laughs> no, that was that was well done, and you could see that. He learned that from Walter White. That was a very Walter White move that he did in the last part of the movie, yeah. the showdown. I would say, I mean, the thing about Breaking Bad, which I don't think we touched on properly when we were doing the tribute episode, where it's all about, uh, I don't know, it's a it's a very masculine show, unfortunately, but it's also mm. something which uh, promotes uh, self-perseverance through intelligence, which is like, that, that's one of the things I really wanted to bring up Mm-hmm. during the tribute episode but I didn't really have the chance to I think it's a very nuanced take on masculinity actually yeah. so it's not the, the I wouldn't even say nuanced I would say that's the, 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 the yeah. best way to do to do like masculinity where it's not through like uh, typical like uh, primordial things such as like you know uh, testosterone and strength yeah but gone more ho like, action yeah it's like sometimes like uh, what makes a man show a man show is like okay how do you outsmart the situation and how do you come through like in, in the end and also it's not afraid to explore moments of you know male fragility like, a lot of it which is, is down- the basis for a lot of masculine shows yeah yeah it's just like it's why overcoming. is this happening because they're so fucking prideful they're not able to like ask for help and then you get into this shit show not necessarily for Breaking Bad though. Uh, but it's yeah. not even about being prideful. It's about being, like I said, it's like, you know, self-perseverance through intelligence. It's like, There's how do I make the best out of this, this situation and not have to rely on anything else to, like, you know... So, I mean, like, the entire premise of Breaking Bad is about a, a, sing, a single man's single vision to achieve uh, what has been denied to him, which is the extension of his life. Right? And it, it's like, he... when you If you look at it, it's... He constantly has to deal with external forces which just gets in his way and how mm. he just overcomes it constantly and he didn't do it through like brute force of strength he did, he did it through cunning uh, uh, the ability to manipulate the ability to outsmart outthink to think f- like 5 or 10 steps ahead which makes that show True. brilliant because it's like it's about you know like why I call it like one of the greatest origin stories for a super villain absolutely because it's yeah, like that's what I doubt. when I look at Breaking Bad it's like that is the perfect origin story for something along the lines of like Lex Luthor I was gonna exactly say Lex Luthor and I think there were like some people calling for him to be Lex Luthor after Breaking Bad I still wanted 
no, I think we did the episode. I think you, uh, you weren't on the show yet, but uh, yeah. me and John were discussing who would be a perfect Lex Luthor, and I called The Rock. Because Rock, The Rock was uh, going into talks with DC, and nobody mm-hmm. knew. And then it was later soon revealed that he it's was going to be... Adam. Black Adam, which I think is a waste of time. Absolutely. Because I see The Rock as possibly uh, like Grant Morrison's version of Lex Luthor, the one in All-Star Superman. So the kind who's like doing his diabolical steam while doing full power on a treadmill. More along the lines of like... No, because there's this great line in that comic where uh, Lex Luthor, he totally nailed the dynamic between him and Superman. Whereas, like, Superman, he came to this world and he was given all of this. I had to work hard for this. So, that's the difference between me and him. Okay. It's like, like, of course, the thing is, between the two of us, right, he is given great power and he does nothing with it. I have to work, like, 10 times, 100 times as hard. I have to be the smartest guy in the room constantly. I need to put myself to the peak of physical perfection. It's like, that's... That's a version of Lex Luthor that was never truly explored except in that comic. And I thought, like, somebody like The Rock would be the perfect analogue to that because that's literally his life. Yeah. Where he has to maintain peak physical condition and then run businesses and do all sorts of deals and just... Look, any guy who's who wakes up at 4am in the morning just to lift heavy shit, yeah. you gotta respect the guy. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I respect pretty much everything uh, The Rock does. Okay, but anyway, so... Anyway, back to El Camino. <laughs> back to El Camino. Back to Breaking Bad. So, yeah, uh... I don't know. Uh, anything else you want to add to what you liked about it? Uh, I mean, like, I think I, mm-hmm. I covered everything. In terms of like, how it was made and all the production behind it and the performances were spot on. And, you know, just like in the TV show, you had a mixture of great um, scoring and just good contemporary music drops. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, you know, the part that I think really sealed that was the time lapse of him tearing apart Todd's apartment to look for the hidden money stash. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that was very, very well done. Okay, I mean, okay. So as for me, what I do really appreciate is the fan service. Mm. I kind of agree with you that it is exactly a two-hour Breaking Bad episode. I would say it's the lost episode, or just yeah. that one capstone that would. Um, I mean, especially for the Jesse fans out there. Yeah, for sure. Because um, I do understand that there's a large uh, portion of the fan base who's like literally screaming at Vince Gilligan. We need to know what happens to him. Yeah, they're screaming along with uh, him as he's driving off. Yeah, like the, as he's driving off into the, the darkness, dust. right? Yeah. And so this is like the question I had to ask, ask myself is like at the end of El Camino, uh, and I think this is the question a lot of Breaking Bad fans will have is like, was this uh, exercise or was this uh, two-hour movie did it really need to exist? No. And yeah, I'm on that side. Where it, it does feel nice to kind of return to the universe and see, you know, what it is, like, you know, like have some sort of clarification. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I'm glad you answered the question, but I wasn't really asking it because I per- I love Breaking Bad. I really, really love Breaking Bad, but I'm glad that it's finished, it's done, it's a mm. nice sealed package. I could say this as a whole was good. Yeah, and but for me, it's like it leans more towards the negative because I prefer not knowing what happened to Jesse. I just was happy. When you can fill in your own blanks, yeah. Exactly, because once you give me this, and this is, this will have this will become the definitive answer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like sometimes you don't want to explain the force. It's part of, a, and I feel like it's this thing which you find a lot in today's world is where. Everyone was saying, oh, but we need this answer, that, this is not that. Like, 
could you not have a little bit of imagination and imagine for yeah, yourself what happens? Yeah. Like, why do you need everything spoon-fed to you? Just figure it out for yourself. Yeah, sure, fine. Your head canon exists. True. But also at the same time, it's like, there's so much money to be made. And that's <laughs> When you yeah, slept truth, Breaking yeah. Bad on top of anything and like, I'm pretty sure Netflix, I mean, this is definitely a very calculated, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, I mean, it, but at least it didn't feel like a cash grab. At yeah. least they got Vince Gilligan and they got like most of the original cast to come back and to really craft out something that would be feasible within two hours that was, I would say, mildly satisfying. It was, I would say, actually immensely satisfying for me yeah. and uh, for my wife as well. Uh, okay. She was also a Breaking Bad fan. So we both finished it going, yeah, no, this was a great way to spend a Sunday. True. But I mean, for me... But we didn't talk about it afterwards. Yeah, like for me, it's I literally when I watched it, it's like I could easily forget it straight away. Yeah, and so the problem I will have with it is like if I was to lump it in with everything else in the Breaking Bad universe, including Better Call Saul, mm-hmm. then you can see like yeah, this is it, it does feel like a two-hour episode, but it becomes the weakest episode, which. I don't know. I still think The Fly is the weakest episode. True, but it's like it's on par with it's, that. It's yeah, slightly it's higher. Like, but you I can't say, say like yeah. yeah, like but you gave us Ozzy Mendes. I know, and, and then you show us this, and it's like there's also that um, that feeling of like Jesse deserves more justice. You know what I mean? Yeah. After what he had to go through, and the, the things he saw, and the people he lost, and all the sacrifices he made. And, like, the only semblance of that was with that Randy asshole. Or no, the Vandy. Or Candy, I'm sorry. Uh, what, Can- whatever the fuck his Candy name was. Ma- no, like, yeah. Neil Candy or whatever. Yeah, and it's like... I mean, it. if that didn't exist, then I would definitely be a little bit more incensed. But uh, I felt like, no, nah, he... I get that, okay, all the main antagonists are gone. Yeah. Okay, Todd's gone, Walter's gone. Spoilers, I guess. All the neo-Nazis <laughs> are dead. Yeah, and, like... It's gonna be a little bit difficult to literally shoehorn a new villain, which they did, but they didn't do uh, to the point where of annoyance. It was like, okay, uh, we could fit these characters he's in. He's a believable asshole antagonist, and not like you know, yeah. he's not another Gus. And it would have definitely been very irritating if they tried to shoehorn another like Gus-like figure in, which they couldn't in yeah. the span of two hours. It's literally impossible because. Why did Gus work? Because he was introduced in season two, had all of that to start building up in season three. Like, oh shit, this is the most terrifying individual mm. I've come across. Which is why, like, when it, when it, when we point to the antagonist who doesn't really appear until much later in the yeah. story, because it it felt to me where like there was that whole section with him and Todd and like the whole weird odd couple apartment scenarios. Yeah. I mean, I understand it's to establish uh, some sort of narrative threat as to why he had to return to the apartment and why he would later uh, b- basically, you know, encounter these assholes who, yeah. la- who add to his misery. And yeah, you needed some sort of, you needed some conflict, you needed some drama or else it's just basically, we're just going to watch him, you know, take a truck to Alaska apparently. Yeah. So you needed something. And say goodbye to Skinny and Badger. And say, oh, that was so sweet. It was. <laughs> it was just the right amount of Skinny Pete and Badger. You know what? And Skinny Pete definitely had the best line. Yeah. You no, know? because he's my hero and shit, man. <laughs> like, yeah. Aww. You know, like, oh, thank you, Skinny Pete. So, I don't know. I mean, 
that was also when I watched that I felt like okay I hope it's not just gonna be a whole cavalcade of like uh, cameos and yeah, like, returning hey kids remember this guy <laughs> which is like literally how I felt when like okay who, who's gonna they roll in next right like did you want like, like one half of Gus Fring like hey remember this guy <laughs> No, but it's like right after uh, we sh- we were shown Skinny Pete and Badger. It's like okay, so who's who's the next guy from the from back in the day who they can afford and who would be willing to like throw some lines? Of course, this guy Todd. <laughs> there yeah. he is smoking, and it's like, and then they establish this interesting dynamic, which it doesn't spoil the TV show. Mm, no, that much because it kind of felt like uh, Todd was a little soft for him, like. He, if it wasn't for Todd, like Jesse would have been a dead man a long time ago. Yeah, and it was it was definitely Todd who convinced what, Uncle Frank. I can't remember his name. The, yeah, like, we need to keep Frank, him alive yeah. because he's the one who can also make the blue meth. And then, like, yeah, in in a way, like you kind of felt a little bit of sympathy for Todd more or less. But nah, he's a monster. No, I mean, like every time you kind of think, oh, he's kind of sweet bit bumbling. You remember, oh wait, yeah, no, he did that. And showed no remorse whatsoever. Which they kind of redid again in this one because yeah. it's like the apartment scene when literally we are introduced to the housekeeper. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. In case you're all thinking that Todd, Todd's a nice guy, nope. Nope. And to me, that felt very, I wouldn't say derivative, but like, okay, this is familiar. You're, you're kind of like it's playing no, your greatest hits again. It's definitely no uh, by kid and a vat of acid. Yeah, you know, and because you're aware of Todd mm-hmm. it just felt like oh just in case you forgot it's like no I didn't it's like of course and I wasn't surprised when it was like that moment where uh, Todd was showing Jesse the room and then like oh check this out and then like Jesse like turned to look and then that, that face turns like white cold and he's like yeah there's a dead boy in the room camera pans down there it is so mm-hmm. there's that sense of predictability that I would say I mean it's not that detrimental but it's like okay to me, at that point, is like maybe you're just gonna do like Breaking Bad by numbers from now on. I suppose, and and that's the thing. Like for better or worse, it is a Breaking Bad episode, so it'll have the same you know traps and pitfalls that the episodes did sometimes yeah. have. I, it was by no means the perfect show, but mm. and so by extension, a derivative movie, which is in many ways vestigial, could would never be mm-hmm. perfect. But at the end of the day. It's free if you have a Netflix subscription. <laughs> it's, and it's not if you don't. True. <laughs> yes. Hey, it's still free if you know the right places. <laughs> or you have that cool friend uh-huh. who has one more account ready to give away. Exactly. So, or but, like, you know, your parents. So, I mean, here's the discussion I want to have. It's like, um, I mean, it's by no means an amazing movie that you need to watch. No. And it doesn't fall uh under the like the it doesn't have the trappings of like other like uh movies based on TV shows where it's like oh is this self-contained enough no it's not but also at the same time it's like does it work on its own kind of yeah maybe i mean it's b- not enough for me to give it high praise but i would say like for me most of my positives is like just being as a fan and providing the fan service is like thank you uh i didn't really need to see jesse like finish the arc mm-hmm. and I don't and it didn't feel short changed like I had this conversation with other Breaking Bad fans who are more Breaking Bad fans than me because I only finished watching it last year oh okay so it doesn't matter anyway but it's like I didn't I would say I didn't age with the show in, in a way where it's like it became this thing that became part of my daily ritual yeah it was something I binged and then I, I kind of consumed it as this one entity 
Whereas for some people, they, they grew with the show and then they watched the characters develop. Whereas for me, it's like, it just felt like it is one pretty seamless, uh, like, plotline. So, yeah. like, so that's definitely a caveat I need to put out there where it's like, I experienced the show differently from a lot of you people out there. But I will compare it to the show because uh, pretty much also with the next review is like, if you're gonna be part of the same universe, right? Uh, there's certain rules and that you need to adhere to, but there's also certain things you cannot like uh, be lazy about. Yeah. Yeah. So like for me, Breaking Bad, like it's like a strong like C plus close to a B. And if anybody was to ask me, is like, is is it essential viewing? Are you a Breaking Bad fan? If the answer is yes, maybe. If you're not a Breaking Bad fan, just watch Breaking Bad instead. Yeah. Because none of this will make sense unless you watch that. I've, and that in itself is an experience worth having. I think you could watch it without having watched Breaking Bad, but uh, it would raise so many questions. Exactly. Because then it feels like a very incomplete film. Yeah. And But then again, it's like nobody's going to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, you only watch this because you're a fan of Breaking Bad. Mm. And, you know, there are lots of Breaking Bad fans, so, you know, I'm sure that... I think it did crazy numbers. Like 25 million people watched it on Netflix. Because people want to know what happened. Yeah. And the the answer is they're like, oh, cool. Well, I guess I'm happy for him. I guess I am. But, oh man. So this is the part. I mean, if you, Last King fans, if you listen to our show, you know what we do. We try to write a better version. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I think that the only thing I would change, which is... Far more fan servicey, but I would have enjoyed it as if he tried to like rescue Brock as well, mm-hmm. and like try to like make it like a total action adventure where he yeah, or kind of like you know a mini like um, I don't know, Leon Oppression or slash Terminator where he's like you know help get this kid out mm-hmm. like somewhere safe. Yeah. Uh, my idea, and it's not really fleshed out. I'm drafting it out as we speak. But since this exists, I don't think it'll ever exist. But I wanted a Thelma and Louise ending. Huh. I wanted the cops to catch up with him. And then he literally drives into a gorge? Not even to a gorge, maybe to his... I wanted him to die. Yeah. Because my, yeah. my rationale would be this, right? As much as we all sympathize and like feel sorry for Jesse... Nobody should get away from Discord Free. Not even Walter White, not even Jesse. Yeah, well, yeah, Walter White definitely did not get Scott Free, but I don't know, I'm a And bit... I, I would say this, right? Think of the dramatic turn that would have been where. Uh, imagine how the fans would have reacted. Like, yeah. the explosion on the internet was like, I'm sorry, even Jesse didn't survive Breaking Bad. Which, in fairness, he was supposed to die in the first episode. Mm-hmm. He. He's you know, done pretty damn well for himself. True. Um, but I really wanted that cold, bitter ending to kind of like... It, because how Breaking Bad itself ended was... Everybody was rooting for Walter White to succeed. And then the genius of that show is like... None of us were realizing we were rooting for the bad guy. Yeah. And I would say that would have been a great opportunity to... Because you've established so much sympathy for Jesse... And you just want to see him, like you know, get what he deserves and justice. And but what if no? Let's let's just say this: like, in reality, right? If you if you sell drugs, you don't survive. Like a nice Scarface ending. I mean, it doesn't have to be totally miserable. It can be kind of, I would say, you know, like you know, uh, Blaze of Glory. So very cathartic. 
Which is the family Definitely. That would be essential. You have to make it like so that he doesn't survive, but at least you you were rooting for him all the way to the end. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, and it couldn't... It, it's like if he got killed off in, say, uh, that high noon scenario where they're do, like, doing like... Yeah. Like, like that whole cowboy moment where they were like uh, dueling with pistols, right? Like if he died then, it's like, no, this is terrible. Yeah. He, he needs to get his justice. He needs to get what he's, he deserves. He needs to close up all the loose ends. But also, it's like, much like the TV show Breaking Bad, the the morals should still be nobody truly survives. Yeah, this. the moral has to be that you, crime doesn't Crime doesn't pay. pay yeah. As yeah. I, and I think it's like, as, as cheesy as it sounds, doing it with the Jesse character, and it's like, I mean, dude, uh, I mean, just look at any good Game of Thrones episode where the guy who just does his best yeah. and, it, and he, he just gets cut down and he's like, yep, that... This is me being cynical again. I'm sorry, Last King fans. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> did you hear about the alternate ending that Gilligan originally wrote? Which is? Where on the way to, I think when he's trying to escape, he's not going to Alaska, he's going somewhere else. Mm-hmm. He uh, helps out an old lady with like a car problem. Mm-hmm. She recognizes him, calls the police and he gets uh, arrested. So it's him finally doing something altruistic out of the good of his own heart is what finally... <laughs> bit him in the ass. Yeah. Which would have been... Which is similar to my idea, but mine's is a lot more spectacular. Yeah, there was definitely <laughs> It'll definitely more... be a car chase. And, yeah. And um, I, Gilligan said that it was too bleak and he wanted a bit more of a happy ending. So I guess maybe it's Gilligan being unwilling to, like, you know, do that to the character, I which is it's... pretty much like one of his ch- children. I would say it's also Gilligan uh, doing what any good uh, storyteller would do is reach the compromise yeah you know what I mean you, you you can't just like promise somebody like okay six years later okay I'm gonna finally tell you what happens to Jesse and then later like okay see and it's like like to me it would have been a lot braver if Jesse didn't survive mm-hmm. and like that was what I was rooting for because I'm not saying that the El Camino didn't entertain me it did but there were also moments where it felt a little bit uh, you know like breaking back by numbers it's like okay then this happens and then we're reminded of this character's traits and then even when, uh, like, you know, we have the, the Walter White cameo. And yeah. then, like, Brian Cranston and all his glory. And they're having just that simple diner. And then you're reminded again that this all started with just Walter White looking to Jesse as, like, this is... Here's, here's the He's, son I couldn't fix. Yeah, it's like, yeah. this is... The guy who, like, you know, was a waste of my fucking time, but now he's gonna be my salvation. I mean, like, look at it. I mean, even just that, that the the simplicity of like uh, the dialogue, which is like, have you ever thought about college? Yeah. Imagine you with a business degree, you'd be unstoppable. And then Jesse, just that that sweet poignant moment where he doesn't like, you know, do his usual like comeback. He just looks at. Uh, Mr. White and then he realizes like okay maybe this guy actually does care about me yeah although it's kind of although no he doesn't <laughs> yeah kind of when he says like you can get your GED why have my diploma you handed it to me you asshole <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Uh, I giggled that was, I mean, like, that, that was pure fan service I enjoyed it thoroughly yeah. so I don't know I mean for me uh, El Camino in essence yeah it is the Breaking Bad episode that you know Vince Gilligan promised uh, he did deliver but I would say in terms of storytelling, in terms of being brave with it, in terms of taking it to new directions, uh, nah, he, I think he had none of those intentions. I think he just really wanted to like look at the fan base and say like, okay, fine. You were nice enough to uh, to wait this long. Here mm-hmm. it is. And I think he was definitely looking at the fan base and thinking, nah, Jesse has to survive. Yeah, and 
To be honest, I think a good analogy would be, say you had a fantastic five course meal at a restaurant, mm. and then two hours later you're still there for some reason, and they come up with a single serving vanilla ice cream. It's not bad ice cream. You're glad you got it, but it hits the spot. It hits the spot, but it's just kind of yeah. like, well, I waited a long time, and I mean, I didn't need this. You need it like it's 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 kind of like along the lines of like you just needed something to button up that moment. Yeah. You know, and like just put the the, the ribbon on the pe- on the on the present, and like, now it's complete. Yeah, I mean, at yeah. this, and I wouldn't mind if they did more work in the Breaking Bad universe, but it has to be some original news story with something interesting to say. It, we can't do more like what did this character do after the events stories. I'm gonna call it. Yeah. Asex Schrader, the training years, him at the <laughs> academy. Oh god! We're gonna get some hot young actor, and he's somehow gonna like fast bender into Ian McKellen. <laughs> <laughs> like he started out so fresh and promising, and so and like he's bold hopeful, and short, and then he becomes this very cynical, bitter old man argh, who loves minerals for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, eh, that would be something. Then you can see like young Walter in his college years. Oh, I. I would really not enjoy that. It would be like Breaking Bad, like you know, twenty years earlier. Oh, it would be such a dumb idea. But I know there's some executive out there who's like listening to the show and like, yeah, we're gonna steal that idea. Breaking Babies. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> it's gonna be like a uh, Schrader, a Breaking Bad story, something stupid oh, like that. Speaking of stupid titles, oh god, I finally saw the new Star Wars trailer. I do not want to watch this movie. <laughs> What are they gonna do? It's it, it's like oh they have you have no idea what's I happening. I kind of want to see how they justify the horses on the spaceship thing. I don't. <laughs> I don't. It's like when I looked at it and I thought to myself, "Is like, yeah, yeah. This is literally this is it. This is peak. We have nothing else we can come up with in time." Well, I mean, whatever. We'll we'll see in December. But uh, final rating for El Camino, so we can move on. Definitely a strong six and a half to seven. Yeah, I would say I would give it. A six and a half. Uh, if it had come out in the cinema, I'd definitely be far less kind because I don't know, paying money to see that kind of uh, story would have been a bit more gracious. But because it was just like in my Netflix, mm. it's like yeah, you know, sure. Though I, I think it would have worked better in the cinema as like some of the scenery and just some of the shots of the desert and just seeing the flash. Oh, I could watch two hours of those panning shots of New Mexico. Yeah, I mean, it's it's still gorgeous. The sepia tones all intact. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Like, it keeps uh, all the visual elements intact. So like, yeah, it doesn't feel like too much of a stretch that you're uh, back in the Breaking Bad universe till you see how the actors aged out of the roles that they're supposed to be play- playing like yeah. 10 years ago. Ah, uh, well. I Damn mean, it. Damn you know, it, Todd! You, you you can't blame people for aging, I guess. Yeah, you can. Oh, man. <laughs> How dare you, like, succumb to the market yeah, time? Yeah, like, uh, you assholes, why don't you go and fuck off, alright? Because, like, Will Smith's doing in Gemini, man, and that's what we want to see, right? Young versions of people. Jesus Christ, do you know how much money that movie lost? Enough. A lot. <laughs> I would say enough to convince people maybe we should stop giving Will Smith giant action movies. Probably also we should not trust Ang Lee with uh, special effects studios. Oh, but that's his thing now. I mean, ever since... Well, it's not his fault. I mean, he he is a guy who definitely... I mean, Life of Pi was pretty good. I didn't really appreciate it though. I mean, I thought the book was boring. I know a lot of people are going to get on my ass for that. Like, no, I didn't really like Life of Pi. Uh, it was I would say this about the movie compared to the book 
somehow the the movie is less pretentious. Huh. <laughs> well, actually, I can believe that. <laughs> you know, we're talking about Ang Lee here. We're talking about a, a a story that literally starts with "I'm going to teach you about the meaning of life," and it's like, okay, how? About me, a young boy with a tiger on a boat. Okay, stop. <laughs> no, I already know the meaning of life. It's forty-two. <laughs> Uh, speaking of uh, old references to stuff from the 80s. Mm. No, wait. Breaking Bad wasn't in the 80s. Right? No, I'm talking about Watchmen. Wait, we're talking about Watchmen. Talking about uh, season flogging one, a dead horse. <laughs> season 1, episode 1 of Watchmen. We're going to give our initial reviews. Okay, so uh, as of now, it's only been one episode out. And uh, they promised us how many in total? Eight? Maybe more. Uh, it's, a, it's a HBO series, so it'll be eight or ten. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be the usual where I take the stance of a Watchmen fan <laughs> and I'm ready to hate. <laughs> sure. And uh, so maybe I'll stop because I think I've got a slightly kinder review. All right. Uh, I would say that the premise it sets up is intriguing. Mm-hmm. And I think that the way they especially treated Rorschach, I think is very... It's setting up an interesting conversation. About Rorschach? Uh, like how, well, how like Rorschach is treated as like an icon after his demise. That's one of the biggest problems. Okay, uh, well, uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts about it in a minute. But otherwise, and I just think the world building they're doing, the setting, it's enough to make me go, okay... You have my curiosity. Please show mm. me what you're gonna say. What now that you've like put all the pieces in play? But other than, than that, uh, I mean, uh, action was all right. Music was okay. Uh, it's too dark. Jesus Christ, HBO. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, budget. <laughs> probably uh, this. Uh, they probably got bigger special because you have to understand. They teased Doctor Manhattan <laughs> and that, and, and a, a glowing blue penis is not cheap, sir. <laughs> That is very true. And I wonder if they're going to pull that off again. <laughs> Will but they're not going to get Billy Crudup to play him again, right? No. They might do. What else has he been doing? I don't know. Actual work. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. That's a spicy take right there. Mm-hmm. Speaking of spicy takes, uh, give your initial impressions. My initial impressions, it feels like a very cheap cash grab. Uh, it totally doesn't understand what the Watchmen set out to do. I'm not going to be an Alan Moore apologist and say that, oh, they're totally destroying his vision because I'm all about them adapting because I kind of, uh, I did not hate the sequel comic books. Okay. I thought they were interesting exercises in what could be done within the universe. Whereas this one felt like nothing about this is related to the universe. And like when you mentioned the Rorschach thing, it's like, there's no clear connection between Rorschach and these guys. I I would disagree because what Rorschach, at least how um, Moore created Rorschach, yeah. as like his interpretation of two Dicko characters, yep. as like what he as an anarchist would like say, like this kind of like mm-hmm. right-leaning uh, vigilante, okay, and how he would be appropriated and misused uh, by a particular group. So here's the problem with that. Yeah. Nowhere in the Watchmen would these guys in Tulsa, Oklahoma have heard of Rorschach. I would, but I, considering that... Pay attention to the books or the movie. How would they have known about him? Well, he was the master and arrested. And that wasn't on the news or in TV or anything. Well, I mean... I, it, that's maybe. where your line of logic fails immediately. I, that's the thing. <laughs> it's like Because like the Watchmen were famous and... no. 
Rorschach is that one vigilante nobody that all the heroes knew about, but nobody else did. The only people who knew about Rorschach are the people in, in the prisons who, who he put in there. There is nothing. The only thread of anybody knowing about Rorschach's existence is at the end of Watchmen mm -hmm. when he releases his journal to the newspapers. I mean, And even then, there's no connecting thread to say that this came from Rorschach. Rorschach is literally the guy who stays in the shadows and he gets zero attention. So it doesn't make sense when like you well, have. Well, I mean, like urban myths can permeate because. Yeah, like, but not to the point where it like because to me it felt like oh uh, we're gonna make him like V for Vendetta. We're gonna take like something like a Guy Fox figure and turn him into some sort of like icon for like uh, these uh, mentally unstable people. And I was like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense because nobody's heard of Rorschach. And the thing is, if you want to say that people in Tulsa, Oklahoma, are inspired by him, is like that's a stretch. How how did that happen? And maybe like so, it might be explored in a later episode, which I think is super lazy because mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, nobody's heard of Rorschach, and like the fact that even that moment where like they have the the so, the racist asshole doing the speech, right? Yeah, and I will look down and I will say no. That was an inner monologue. How would anybody have known that is what he would say? Yeah. So I cannot I agree with you about how Rorschach could have inspired these people. I think that if you're following off from the Snyder movie where there's a bit more open-endedness about... I mean, even in the Snyder movie, they didn't really say like, oh, he's this guy we need to catch. It's like, no, the police were definitely trying to catch him. There, there was no journalist or newspaper expose. It's like, but it, it even the makes the ending perfect because it's like when he was screaming at Dr. Manhattan, what are you going to do? Kill me? Go ahead, kill me. You kill me and nobody will ever know about this ever. Because only I have the evidence. He's that hidden. I mean, I don't know. Say this, if you watch the Snyder movie again, I it there's no connection. But there's a scene where like they're all photographed together, and like he's part of that group photo. And but the, the thing is, right? How would that equate to his philosophy? I I don't know. I mean, like, so like this is my I, problem I, I, with that. I mean. I okay. I can maybe concede like how they would find out about him and know about his philosophy and how to interpret it. But okay, you have to explain a, a lot of you that. Have to, you would have to explain a lot, but I think that if they would find out how they would misinterpret it, I like that part. Mm. It's like maybe getting there. I agree. We could do it a little bit more explanation. Yep. And I mean, I mean, like this is what it felt like to me. Yeah. They probably had a good idea for what these masks would look like. Mm-hmm. Some executive is like, no, no, we need to have more. What? So there's one, one of the major problems I have with Watchmen. So like, just even in comparison to something like El Camino, where like, let's reference and yeah. throw in some fan service. This to me was the opposite, which is like, oh, even when she cracks the eggs, it's a smiley face. Even when the guys say TikTok, TikTok, because they knew what the front cover of the comic book looked like. And it's like. Oh, it's it's reference for reference's sake. Like mm -hmm. even when they yeah. were trying to explain how Don Johnson and uh, Regina King was flying the owl plane, is like how did they get that? Wasn't it destroyed apparently in the movie? And there's, there's so much of it that felt like, uh, I would say very soulless. Like we need to throw in and pepper in all these Watchmen references, or else we can't really call it a Watchmen. Yeah, again, I, mean, I think because. So for like 25, 30 years have passed since the ending of the movie slash yep. the comic books ends. Because it's set in 2020. Mm -hmm. So maybe uh, like they're giving like, you know, the writers like block, uh, like timeline gap enough to say like, just imagine. When you say writers, you just mean one guy. Yeah. And <laughs> the reason why I'm being a bit more uh, like uh, 
I don't know. Uh, what's the word? Uh, forgiving. Forgiving. That's the word. Sorry, I had a complete mental block there. <laughs> it's okay. Um, is that the guy who created it, the showrunner? I can't remember his name. Damon Lindelof. Damon Lindelof is a massive, massive fan of the comic books. Unfortunately. But unfortunately, I think that might be like. Maybe because he's so desperately trying to get Alan Moore to at least notice him, which is I tough. Because say that, no, yeah. I would say like although he's aware that Alan Moore would never ever watch it or give it give his blessing because and because know, Alan, Alan Moore is a purist. I mean, like, yeah. like I'm not gonna be the typical Watchmen fan where I say like, yeah, that that entire book doesn't even need sequel comics or anything else to spin off from it because it's so perfectly self-contained, but. I'm also on the side of like, yeah, but it's such a good property. We need to explore certain things. So mm-hmm. for me, it's like something as precious as uh, Watchmen to me. I mean, till this day, it's like one of those f- the only books that is like nothing ever hit me as hard as that. And I'm still longing for the day when like another graphic novel comes along and tops it or at least matches. The- I think that's. And in Nothing this like, in this day and age, very hard because comic books aren't selling, so people are not inspired to actually pursue the medium anymore. Yeah, I mean, like there's some stuff where people are really loving, but I think in terms of like just the sheer impacts, yeah, um, probably. So like, I even mean, Saga, I think Saga is actually exceptional, except, but Saga's it's good, but, but it's, it's not gonna be as yeah. groundbreaking as Watchmen. Which is why I'm also very scared. Like, please don't do a saga live action anything. It's kind of perfect. They'd have to do an animated version if they want to do it. And even if you did, don't. <laughs> Just leave it alone. Yeah. Like, some things, like, I mean, we laid fair praise to the boys. Yeah. Because it got the essence of what the boys was about. Yeah, it was definitely like, yeah. I could imagine Garth Ennis going, I yes. approve. Yeah. And, like, I think that's one of the problems people have with, like, you know, properties by Ellen Moore is, like, oh, if only, like, that it, it becomes the holy grail where, like, if we can only get his approval. Which he never will because it's a principle for the man. And also, at the same time, it's, he totally understands the medium he works in because yeah. if he was to adapt Watchmen, uh, he, he would say, like, no, it's not designed to be view, uh, viewed passively. You have to read it. You have to engage with it. And, I mean, like, uh... As much as Zack Snyder did a great job of matching the panels, he did a very good job of the panels, but I think the message the message was, was lost. lost so badly. And also at the same time, I would say um, Terry Gilliam had the right idea because he was pitched to do Watchmen way back in the nineties or something, right? And okay. he immediately said, "This will not work as a movie. This is definitely at least a six episode or twelve episode, episode miniseries, yeah, at best." And, and they could not have done it justice in the nineties, I think. No, this is 80s. Earlier than that. Oh, then, yeah, definitely This was, not. like, on the rise of, like... I don't know if it was 80s or 90s, yeah, although, but... To be fair, I would love to see a Monty Python version of Dr. Manhattan. It wouldn't be... A, it would be, like, along his I, darker stuff. I know, but, like, you know... It probably exists somewhere on the internet. It probably exists somewhere. Just, like, imagine, like, a big paper mache dong swinging around. <laughs> no, no, just imagine Dr. Manhattan, like, in that Vietnam scene. And it's, like, when all the Vietnamese guys are, like, looking at him and... And it's just, pop- like, a... Yep, <laughs> he just out. steps on them. <laughs> God damn it, sir. Uh, uh, but okay, so I mean, why I decided to review this as a Watchmen fan is like, okay, I need to kind of retain the purist argument a little bit. But yeah. Also, at the same time, it's like, I mean, to me, it feels like uh, criticizing this for being on a TV budget is totally unfair. Mm-hmm. But it's an HBO budget, though. Which is even worse because it's like, okay, we know what you can afford, and this is the best you can come up with. So, I mean. If I were to say, to be fair, 
I will have to compare this to maybe Book 1 of Watchmen. Mm-hmm. And Book 1 of Watchmen has probably one of the greatest comic book openings of all time where we see the comedian get thrown out the window and yeah. the murder mystery starts there. Then we're introduced to uh, Rorschach. And Rorschach is basically... like I mean, uh, everybody knows this for a fact. Is this, that every Watchmen is just basically a, a C-tier or D-tier character that DC bought over from other comics. Yeah. And gave it to Alan Moore and like, do something with this. And he just injected them with possibly... like This was the first time we humanized uh, superheroes. And I'm not talking along the lines of like humanizing them like oh, making Spider-Man totally relatable. I mean like, no, no, what if they were fucking assholes? They were flawed and... Flawed, vindictive, bitter, jealous. All the emotions that you never saw in a superhero before. Basically like what would happen if you got a bunch of humans and forced them to work together. Exactly. And I think that's the genius of Watchmen. Which I was kind of hoping for in this one. Because, okay, I don't know if it's going to be a spoiler. Uh, but shall we spoil or shall we not spoil? Uh, let's not spoil because it's just come out. Okay, so there's a particular death mm-hmm. which I saw coming a mile away. Yeah, that was very clearly telegraphed. And it felt to me is like, okay, if, you, if you're going to play this card this early, what are you going to do next? Because there's also that, that taste of like... Um, so, Watchmen... The entire premise of the books, which they didn't really nail in the movie, but Mm -hmm. it's about humanity's failure with not only authority, but also with superhero culture and also with government and also with uh, the threat of, like, you know, nuclear war looming in the background constantly. Yeah. I mean, as a child of the 80s, like, that was something I could super relate to. So, their premise for this one is, like, in a world gone mad after the events of that, we still have racism. Why? Well... (laughs) I think what it's trying to uh, uh, premise is that like you don't fix everything by just like one nice done deal like what mm-hmm. Ozymandias thought and maybe it's a rejection certain of certain things could happen yeah, rejection right. of his premise of that like you might be the smartest man to ever have lived but you didn't know everything and mm-hmm. that you couldn't have foreseen this happening and there's some uh, like some uh, illusions like maybe he's dead by now maybe he's still alive like mm. he's only like mentioned in the background as as Vite as like you know True that, uh, but I mean, persona. Uh, I mean, to me, I mean, what felt? I, I wouldn't say offensive. I would say like, okay, this is just chi- just this is just for the sake of it, right? Was the opening with the 1920 genocide in uh, uh the in Tulsa, the 1921? Uh, and it's like it's like, and I watched that, and then there was that moment of like, watch over this boy. Yeah, and in it, to me, it felt like, oh god, it's like. Like to some, it may it may feel like oh, it's that's the motif. That's like you know, watch watchers, watchmen, and then it's like okay, you do realize it's like it's gonna be the fanboys like me who's like okay, now you're under scrutiny. What are you gonna do with this? If this is your premise, do it properly. Yeah, I mean, cause that is a very powerful opening, and True. It, it's a it's a moment of history which I feel like people have forgotten because it's not really talked about, especially in the states. Yeah, but I mean, Watchmen isn't about history. Watchmen is yeah, about it's r- it's an alternate universe. Yeah, and so it's like for them to like what made what gave me the knee jerk reaction is like okay, we're gonna go behind, we're gonna go even further back to this, and this better pay off in a way that was interesting, and it doesn't. So far, no. I mean, and again, I can't yeah, I can't yeah. fault it because this is episode one. Maybe it's all still set up, but also at the same time, it's like. If you remove the Watchmen title, right, this would kind of work as his own thing. Yeah, I mean, 
Why did you need to include It Watchmen? kind of makes me want to watch just a miniseries about the Tulsa Race Riots because like there would be a nice crescendo to like a six-part miniseries mm-hmm. about you know that creation of Black um, Wall Street and uh, the simmering tensions and like what was the final you know I mean, spark which I do set off. get it because yeah I, I agree with you too because like for a lot of people even something like Watchmen that's a history lesson right there it's yeah. like you know it explains Watergate and the Nixon scandal and how in a in a fucked up reality if something like a Dr. Man- Manhattan would exist and the, we they won the Vietnam War yeah, like, we this would, is the world they leave behind we would forgive behind. everything like you get rid of term limits he yeah. could like yeah. So here's like another problem I had is like uh watching like the set design when I saw like the the Nixon statue in the middle of Tulsa. Yeah. It's like okay, this in any way does not make any logical sense. Yeah. So it's like like my problems with it is like they set up the the the, the marketing and the ambition as like we're gonna be a direct sequel. So it's like okay, the world that Alan Moore left behind is one of ambiguity of uncertainty but at least a step in the right direction towards uniting uniting humanity against you know nuclear war yeah and I was like okay and it kind of totally ignores that immediately it's like it's another here's another problem and it's like wait and if you want to say like oh but 20 and 30 years have passed then you're not a sequel and also what I feel like is especially great is because I know that Alan Moore is very much anarchist and another theme of Watchmen is don't trust authority because they would absolutely mm-hmm. fuck you. And they're kind of making the police, which are like, especially in today's day and age. Yeah, if you were to make the parallel, yeah. Yeah, a very difficult moral question to discuss. Like, you know, what's the role of the uh, policeman? Yeah, I mean, like. And to make them the victims in the scenarios, like, you better have something very, very worthwhile saying mm. to say about this because at the moment, it's just like, you seem to be, again, like Zack Snyder, misunderstanding what. Animal is about. I don't know. I mean, like, but the worst thing is, this is just episode one out of yeah. others. So it's like, maybe it's just a weak start and maybe it builds up. And I can't really give my full on uh, critique until I see all of it. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to give a review score, I think. This is just initial impressions. Yeah, it's um, like, for me, it's like, it, it started out kind of bad. Mm. It it has a lot of logic problems. It, 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 it tries to tie in with what happened in the books or if it's spinning off from the the movie even that is like yeah you gotta really beef up these threads a little bit yeah and like even like uh cute references to like oh we're following the comic book as well like you know uh please don't adapt well it's like you know that that little moment uh, when you have that extra planar event it's like okay cool you better explain this later on because you can't just like hit that and leave it Especially uh, even, even like uh, what the Jeremy Irons character is like. This is what is this about? It's like yeah, it felt like if you want to set up anything, right? I think I think that's the problem with Lindelof. It's like he has an idea and he he's okay with setups, but his main problem is establishing premise. Mm, yeah, and if you did that properly, it's like okay, if you're gonna start with the race riots, okay, like okay, so. After the events of uh, what happened at the end of the movie or book, I, and the thing is, they're not really quite clear which one they're following. Yeah, it seems to be a uneasy mix between the two of them. Yeah, so it's like if you want to say if it's off the end of the movie, okay, sure. Uh, how did we get to this point? I understand the setup. What's the premise? Please explain how it gets to here. 
but no, we need to also introduce characters in this. So it's like, okay, you do understand what a daunting task you have. Please respect the source material and the fans and at least take your time with it. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I hope that this is a 10-part series, not like a 6-part, because mm. there is a lot to fit in and a lot of questions have been raised. And like we just said, without the other thing, you don't have to answer every single question, but no. you need to answer enough to the point where like, okay, I can see how you got to here. Yeah. We are not just saying, like, I wanted to create my own thing, but I wanted to piggyback some uh, name recognition. Which is, that's the thing I have, that's the problem I have with the TV show. It feels like, oh God, it's just reference for the sake of reference. It feels like mm. we need to pepper in all these Watchmen references. I, I don't, I'm not going to blame like Lindelof explicitly. I mean, it could be other people, powers that be, who knows. But <coughs> this exists, and this exists in this form, and it's like, I will critique it as it is. Yeah. So, also again, uh, fanboy head. I'm sorry. If we're gonna follow, uh, if we're gonna follow from the comics, this is a world where aliens exist. Yeah, and and they kind of hint it, but it's so nonchalant. Yeah, and it feels like, wait, we're you you need to establish that this is a world where humanity has been lied to. And they have no real idea of what truly happened in New York that day when the giant alien came and murdered. I mean, it didn't murder. But somehow, millions of people died because something from another planet landed on Earth and nobody saw it coming. And they also established, like, at the end of the book, where it's like Dr. Manhattan is like, you know what? Ozymandias is right. Nothing I could have done in all the parallel dimensions and all the parallel realities that I perceive at this very point of time. He, he, what he did was the right choice. I'm going to go to Mars and create life now. He wants to start again because yeah. he, he, he sees humanity as a failed experiment. Yeah. And he's moving on. It's like, okay, fine. The fact that they're teasing that he might come back is like, no. Like, leave him alone. It's like, what the hell could that anyone possibly say to him to make him want to come back I know I mean like to me he is literally like he, the, the, if God was real that's what would happen like someone who would be so uninterested in our petty bullshit be like yeah I am hey, beyond I, this yeah it's like you know when you're playing a city building game and you get bored of your city <laughs> it's just like okay I'm done new map this is the segue <laughs> No segue, just a, you know... An when I was playing Tropical and I thought to myself, man, I'm bored of this city, we'll build another one. I would love to see like an Ozymandias like uh, El Presidente. No, no, wait, how would, you, how would that annoy you where you do some god simulator and there's like the smartest NPC in the game just thwarts your every move constantly? Oh, I would be so pissed off. <laughs> it's like, I can't delete this guy. <laughs> Why? You burn the chica for, t- for Godzilla and he still defeats like, Motherfucker! Motherfucker. When did I create him again? Oh, it was not you, but the devil! Anyway, so, like... So, episode one, stumbling out of the gate. Visually, yeah, it looks like a, it looks like a TV budget. I can't fault them for that. Uh, Characters-wise, it's... It, it's not we've not seen enough for me to make a final opinion so far yeah. I mean honestly the most interesting character is Panda because I want to know what the fuck his deal is yeah I see I mean but he feels I wouldn't say derivative but I would say like he looks like somebody who could exist in the Watchmen universe but as like a C tier character yeah I think the problem with episode 1 and I think what a lot of people will probably have fault with especially comic book fans is like okay 
Watchmen is about flawed superheroes. We start with uh, Regina King's character. I'm not so sure what her superhero name is. I think it's like some something to do with like because she's got a nun motif going on. Yeah, and I was like, and what does this represent? Yeah, like because she references, oh, she was a cop, she got shot, then she retired, but she's actually still a cop, and she yeah. was raised in Vietnam. So like, okay, so like, yeah, I mean, you see where I'm coming from. It's like, okay, this is interesting. I like uh, the design, and I like the fact that she's a 40 year old black woman who is a uh, like you know, she has a family, and she, she has three kids, and still has, kicking ass. And her and her motivations are like something I'm quite intrigued by. What is the archetype, or what is what is that? What is the thing we're trying to question with his her character? Yeah, and also the other ones, they're more like um, they're cool, I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, the guy with cute the cute costume, the guy with the silver mask is it? Okay, this is a nice spin on a Rorschach-esque kind of character which I totally like don't appreciate it's like don't do the facsimile do something really interesting yeah and red because like okay cool there's a Russian working here now like maybe we could have a nice because the Cold War never happened well the Cold War finished amicably in the 80s rather than rather early because now we need to point our nuclear missiles at the sky apparently (laughs) Yeah, so Which, yeah, maybe can that, we establish that? <laughs> maybe there'll be another side story about that. So, at the moment, I wouldn't. I'm not as frustrated that, as you are, but I yeah, it's done enough to make me say, okay, show me what you got. I've it's not got my attention, but it's enough to make me go, okay, I'm not bored. Uh, like some stuff is pretty cool. Um, I liked the the uh, action scene with the M60. Oh yeah, yeah, that was. I that appreciated was cool. that. Yeah, I was like, well, now I know what a cow looks like when it's been hit by a machine gun. Cool. Also, at the same time, is like, uh, wait, aren't you country boys? You know how precious those cows are. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but, yeah. Well. Um. Like, okay. So for me, it felt more along the lines of, okay, this is not only huge shoes to fill, or not only the fact that Alan Moore's shadow looms eternally over this entire franchise, mm-hmm. which is why so many people, like even when they did the comic book sequels, everybody was kind of nervous putting yeah. their names to it. It's like, okay, we know what we're up against. And it's also along the lines of like the fandom for this. I mean, and the thing is, there are the... The fucked up ones who are way too precious about it. And yeah. I've met some of those guys and I can't stand them myself. But I'm definitely hardcore Watchmen fan. Uh, I really put this book on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot... I have way more expectations than you. Yeah, which, which is, is why, yeah. Which is why I'm going to be especially cruel to the entire series because you did not... It's not like... Being critical. Cruel. Oh. I, I'm going to be very harsh on this because you cannot, even if it's good or very good, it immediately becomes mediocre compared to the bigger universe uh, that you're a part of. Okay, I, I, I but see. But you know what I mean, right? Yeah, so, yeah. All so right. it's like, you got to pull off like a rogue one. I see what you're trying to say. And so it's like, okay, th- th- there's going to be a higher level of scrutiny from somebody like me. So, right off the bat, episode 1 did not impress. Try again. Let's see what episode 2 brings. I will only make final judgment after I see everything. But at well, this point of time, um, if you're a Watchmen fan, you will definitely get some disappointment. Mm-hmm. You will also definitely be like looking at uh, some of the motivations and some of the characters and definitely some of the references and thinking like, well, what? Yeah. Yeah, this and, feels kind of out of place. And again, you know, it's very fucking hard to start a TV show. Yep. So, we'll see. 
I think we'll get a good feel like where this is going by episode 4. If they've not got it together by then, then I think we could worry. But for now, I don't know. We'll just see. I mean, looking at uh, HBO's track record, like, okay, thank God for Westworld. Although, at least. it kind of lost its way a little bit in season 2. Compared to Game of Thrones, sir? Well, yeah. But, <laughs> you know... Coming like, out hot off that, and it's like, you can imagine executives looking at all these showrunners and like, okay, GOT's gone. It's you guys, or we're all bankrupt. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, uh, if you want this, uh, like this... Uh, to go any longer? Yeah, if you want HBO to stay HBO, you better fucking pull out all the stops. <laughs> yep. So, which, which, why, like, there's always that, there's that kind of cynical, at the back of my head, thinking like, of course they're going to have to do a Watchmen. What else would get this kind of attention? Yeah, I mean, like, the only thing which is close to getting the kind of hype is the Dark Material series, which is coming out soon oh, as well, actually. The trailer played right before it. Yeah. I definitely need you to make a primer on that for me. I have no idea what that's about. It's uh, Narnia, right? No, no, it's... No, uh, it's not. It's... Uh, Golden his, Compass. Yes. Well, uh, Amber... It's called um, Northern Lights in the UK. Okay. It's called uh, Golden Compass in the, in the States because Americans are stupid. Because they don't know Aurora Borealis? I guess so, yeah. Hmm. But yeah, I'll uh, I'll bring you up to speed so we can talk about it when the episode finally Should drops. we do an entire episode where I'm just literally asking questions? <laughs> if you want to be no different than watching it with my wife. Uh, wait, which books do I start with? Uh, there are only three books. Uh, it's Northern Lights, uh, Subtle Knife, Amber Spyglass. When is it coming out? Uh, what, the, the TV show? Yeah, his Dark Materials. Uh, early November, like 3rd November. Oh, we've got no time for that, sir. Okay, well, you can... We have to review Terminator, remember? Oh, yeah. Find a spark now, it'll be fine. <laughs> so, okay. Basically, church bad, devil good, uh, like... I really appreciate that. Yeah, fuck you, Catholicism is basically <laughs> the premise of uh, the books. So it's like uh, Life of Brian, but with polar bears? Not quite. Not quite. <laughs> um, but that would be amazing. There's right? a great scene where a polar bear smacks another uh, jaw... Uh, polar bear's jaw off in the book or in the show yes okay I'll, I'll pay attention to that I love yeah. me some polar bear on polar bear violence yeah though I can find it quite polarizing and hey, on that on note on that note we'll <laughs> sign out okay so yes uh, give El Camino a watch if you want uh, Watchmen episode 1 of season 1 maybe wait for the next few let's see where this goes and then yeah. if we think that it's going in the right direction we'll recommend it but for now too early to tell remember two years ago when we had like season 6 of Game of Thrones and how exciting it was to talk about every episode every week yeah let's try it we'll, we'll give, give it a shot but you know I got really burnt out on season 8 me too. Because I tried so hard to did be you, nice. Did you immediately... Oh, you couldn't uninstall HBO because of Barry, right? Yeah, because I was still watching Barry. Yes, we still have Barry. So yeah. yes, Barry... Barry is still fucking amazing. Yes. And Silicon Valley is coming back in December as well, so... So hey, please don't fly over to Netflix or just have all the streaming yeah, services. Yeah, pay for all of it. Why not? Yeah, it's Who not as if we get any money from it. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're not chills. We're not actually being paid for this. Of course. And uh, so, uh, this has been your host, uh, the last Regina King, Shafiq. <laughs> and this has been uh, Night Owl 3, Eccentric Tom. Signing out.